Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgettance, at the Keller cabin, Porter, Colleen, and Dolly worked fervently to unlock townsfolk, learn from the past, and protect themselves from the never-seen like never before. When Porter unlocked his cousin Tad, it seemed like nothing happened, but then they heard footsteps out in the dark woods, and a never-seen emerged, not as a glowing phantom light, but as a fully incarnate being, skeletal thin, with a jaw full of sharp teeth. As if by instinct, Tad flashed his arms out, the sky pulled back, and light rained down protection and the being screeched and fled into the forest. Tad, it seemed, is a light-bringer, and soon learned that using his gifting for an intense period of time comes with consequences. Meanwhile, Colleen helped Dolly learn about her soul shepherd's gifting by summoning scenes from the past, and they learned about Kara. Elga, and Brona, buried at the bottom of the sleeping place. Finally, Mama was overcome by a sense of dread like never before. Panicked, she said she needed to run, to prepare. The widow Warren gave her a tincture to sleep, but before Mama slumped down, she froze looked at Porter, and a tear ran down her cheek. The river rose and bubbles, curves and thickens. I carry my finny to the flattened ledge in the mountain, where waters coalesce, where Tanisk sleep and swim, where Tanisk glow and grow and float from depths to surface and far into forest. I look at Finny's wan face. She has nearly served her full purpose. She shivers. We both know the untethering begins. 
Long ago, our door swung open and slammed shut. For generations, we have waited. I trace her cheek, and she shudders. When you came, you opened with nary a creak. You remember now, don't you? She whimpers, and I blind her with the memory of her unlocking. Horace the locksmith, gray eyes narrowing in perplexity. I don't think anything happened, he'd said. And with those words, he'd lodged a knife into her pride. Even now, tears gather and freeze in her eyes. Blame the liar, I say. Because of the liar, your gifting went unrecognized by all your kind. Not mine, doorkeeper. I lean close to her face and whisper in her ear. Knock, knock. I drop Finny into the icy black waters. Colleen and Porter in Inniscombe. Colleen awoke on the cabin floor. She pushed herself up to sit, rubbing the ache in her neck and shoulders. Dolly still slept next to her, but her eyes began to flutter open. Couldn't sleep, huh? Davina cocked a sardonic brow. Colleen rubbed her eyes. Hmm? <laughs> the last thing you girls said to me more'n three hours ago. We won't be able to sleep, Miss Davina. Colleen smiled. I didn't mean to. She gathered her skirts and got to her feet. Henrietta still lay on the door. In the light, Colleen noticed a slight streak of vomit trailing down the corner of the storykeeper's mouth. Wincing, she came over and gently wiped it away with her apron. Where's Miss Rose? Mama? Or Tad, for that matter? Davina stuffed a loose strand of fizzy hair back into her bun. Your mama's helping Miss Rose. They went to go gather water from the whale and some firewood. Tad's been sleeping since the moment he laid down this morning. How are they? Dolly asked. How's my mother? asked Colleen. For now, they're numb to all that plagues them, and the better off for it. What about Henrietta? Dolly got to her feet and smoothed her apron. What kind of care do you think is best? Colleen knew Davina to be stronger than an ox, yet her shrug revealed the heavy burden under which she had labored. Prayer, the healer said. Ain't nothing else I can do. I done seen a lot in my age, but I ain't never seen 
Any living creature, straddle laugh and death like this. She looked at Dolly. Were it not for you and your whatchamacallit, I'd a done told the men to go bury her by the headstone they made for her forty years ago. But you say she ain't dead. Dolly swallowed and shook her head. Well, now I believe you. Otherwise, she'd a done gone stiff by now and belching with the release of gases. Davina walked to stand by Henrietta's head and sighed. Her eyes flicked up to look at Colleen. And you, you say it's happened like this before. Colleen's stomach flipped. The girl, Brauna. Colleen knit her brow, puzzling over a budding realization. But Brauna was a doorkeeper. She got like this because of all that happened to her. And it was a soul shepherd that that trapped her in soul form. Dolly straightened. So there's a difference. What do you mean? Colleen blinked, her head still foggy from the tumultuous events and fitful sleep. The, the hibernation, or whatever it is, it's not the same as being trapped in soul form and unable to come back. Dolly crossed her arms, studying Henrietta. What else do you know about that girl? When we searched your memory yesterday, we were watching the soul shepherd, Kara, was it? And others like her, not Brauna. Yet even Kara was stumped by Brauna when she... Dolly gestured toward Henrietta. Colleen's eyes sparked with a thought. Where's Porter? An especially shadowy place, the Inniscombe Graveyard. Situated on the south end of town, at the far edge of the Kirk property, it nestled between two hills overgrown with trees. Now, as the sun flanked the west mountain, preparing for descent, the shadows of the headstones stretched long and far, as though grasping for something that was forever out of reach. Porter, with Paul and Al, dumped dirt on Sam Keller's coffin, shovelful by shovelful, the metallic ring of their shovels hitting the winter-crusted dirt was the only funeral dirge. And what about after this, once darkness hits, Porter thought. He ached to ask the question, ached for some kind of brave-hearted reassurance, no matter how flimsy they all knew it to be. But the men never looked at him, never even looked at each other, even though the same fear that ran bald-faced in him was hastily covered in paw and al, wrapped as haphazardly as Sam's burial shroud. Porter cleared his throat. 
What should we do when... <clears throat> More dirt over there. Paw pointed, and Porter obeyed. Henrietta would have taken his question without a blink. Mama would have acknowledged his fear and wrapped him in a tight hug. Haints hell, even Nula might have lied to him, but at least she'd hear him out. Let him speak his mind like she did at the corn shuckin'. The women stared uncertainty in the face, even if, in Mama's case, tears ran down her own. Now the fates of all three women lay bleak. Whomever could he go to now to show him how to walk in his ever uncertain path? He tried again. We need a plan for when... Plan? Pa huffed. A plan for an enemy that can't die. Huh. Porter knit his brow and stabbed his shovel into the dirt. They moved quickly, anxiously, in between the stripes of dark shadow, the golden sunlight of evening grew thinner, dimmer. If that damn mule hadn't broken the fence and escaped, Al plunged his shovel into the dwindling pile of dirt. <sighs> We'd have been done and at the kirk long afore now. <sighs> Al, it happens, said Pa. We can't control these things. Ain't no sense dwelling on it. I'll get the headstone. You just get the rest of the dirt. Al muttered his assent. Wind blew. Branches waved. The men flinched at the twitching shadows. The wind-dancing sunlight glinted on something in the dirt at the base of a nearby headstone. Porter wandered toward it, leaving Pa and Al to the last bits of burial work. In long, crooked scritch-scratch, the small headstone was marked H-A-F. Under the initials was a primitive carving of a key. Horace, Porter thought, the last locksmith? Porter looked on either side of the grave. Sure enough, on its left was Henrietta's tombstone. He tried to ignore the pit in his stomach at the sight, the gnawing hope that she wouldn't need her grave. Not now. Not yet. Sal. Porter and Pa stopped at Al's quiet word. A tough wind blew, and shadows rippled across Al's face like slithering snakes. His eyes glittered like a cornered mouse, and he nodded toward the woods. Ever so slowly, Porter and Pa turned around. 
The first had come, not as orb light, but with arms and legs, in tattered clothing as though unlicked by winter's air. This one came in female form. She stepped, but leaves never crunched under her foot. She walked, yet branches didn't move. She stared ahead with eyes like empty sacks, mouth hung slack, so the tips of white fang-like teeth showed slick. Hungry, and finally able to do something about it. Next to him, Al's breathing hitched, but neither man dared move. And the thing walked forward, straight forward, right toward them. She came paces from them, eyes unmoving. Porter fought with all his might against the shaking that began in his middle and quavered into every limb. In his peripheral vision, he saw Paw clench his jaw, readying himself to bear, but she passed them. Over Sam Keller's grave, down the modest slope of the cemetery's hill, toward the little kirk that glowed with candlelight. Porter's eyes cut over to meet Paws before he dared to turn with his body. They stared at each other, whites of their eyes showing all around. Porter dared to whisper first, What the hail was? I don't know, said Pa. Phyllis, said Al, there's more. His throat bobbed. He gestured with a flick of his eyes. Dozens, no, scores of never-seen waded through the winter-blue woods. A female spirit emerged from the woods. She had eyes that took up the entirety of her skeletal sockets. She was tall as a sapling and scaled a dying evergreen. At the top, a gust of wind blew her hair so it fanned around her head like a corona, and she released a cackling, conquering laugh that rolled down the mountainside and seemed to settle and shake in Porter's insides. Not a single orb glowed this evening. Every orb had taken for itself that terrible human form. They crossed the forest's threshold and came into the cemetery. Aunt Numa, whispered Porter, what have you done? Run! Paw hissed. The three spun and ran. Several steps in, Porter tripped over a tall headstone. 
pain clattered through his shin as he fell headfirst, somersaulting and smacking into the next grave marker. Dizzy, he rolled onto all fours, clamoring to stand. Son! Pa was there in an instant, wrapping his arm under Porter's to lift him while Al charged ahead. Can you run? he asked. Yeah, Porter panted. A horrible holler rang down the cemetery hill. Porter and Pa hobbled and ran, squinting into the distance. Never seen swarmed Al's shadowy form. Al! Pa screamed. Porter ran on his throbbing leg. In a blink, it was over. The ghastly beings continued on their horrible, silent march. Not a single eye turned onto Porter or Paw. Quietly, they closed in on Al. Paw's breathing shuddered. Porter stifled a whimper. Al wasn't more than a carcass now. Abdomen pillaged, jaw broken, so his mouth hung wide open. Eyes still staring up into the night where the dark beings devoured him. Porter stared at his father in horror, and still the never-seen marched passing father and son on either side like water flows around rocks in the middle of a stream. Pa gave a subtle tick of his head, and Porter understood. Standing close enough that their shoulders nearly touched, Pa walked and Porter limped both with their heads down amidst the haints. Every bit inside of him shook, certain that at any moment the monstrous specters would claw him open and devour him the same way they had just devoured Al Cartwright. Why, Porter thought, He leaned into curiosity and questions to keep himself from focusing on the way the never-seen's feet never crunched on the dead leaves, and their breathing sounded like fluid-filled lungs, and their whole eyes seemed to see nothing and everything at once. Why, he thought again. Colleen had said they had come through Brana, the doorkeeper, opener of the realms of light and dark, swinging in one direction or another according to the knock of the people. Beings of darkness answering their ancestors' unwitting invitation. Why? Summoned by destruction and satisfied by nothing else, the never-seen were, 
exactly as they seemed. Hungry. Cavernously hungry. Yet still, Porter walked with them, unscathed and unseen. Why? His eyes cut over to paw. His father stood rigid, pointed chin lifted, walking like a captive soldier. His hand rested on the knife at his belt. Did Pa's gifting have something to do with their undetection by the Never Seen? Porter looked to his right, where a Never Seen in the form of a short, withered old man swayed, walking much too fast for having a club foot. One side of his face drooped, sagging skin obscuring one eye, tongue lolling about and intermittently licking at the air. But Porter and Pa remained undetected. Together, they all headed toward the little white Kirk. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Never see.